We're going to start this morning with a video clip. And so, Chris, are you ready? She hopes she's ready. barley in the lower fields and eaten the first of the strawberries with cream. Do you remember the taste of strawberries? Sam, I can't recall the taste of food. Not the sound of water. Let us be rid of it. Once and for all. Come on, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry it for you. But I can carry you. Come on! this road before so I know what you're all thinking you're thinking let it play <laughs> why would you stop there this is the uh, this is the ultimate he ain't heavy he's my brother kind of story 
And I love the line, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Now, what is it that's so compelling about that? I've done some thinking about this. It's not just the friendship that the two of them have. It's not just the victory in which they're participating. It's not the defeat of evil, the evil Sauron, that I. It's not the struggle of climbing the mountain. I, th- I don't think it's any of those things that is quite so compelling. Right at that moment, as they're climbing up the mountain, and when he picks him up, it seems to me like the compelling thing is Samwise Gamgee saying, I'm willing to do this for you, Frodo, and I'm willing to do this for the world. There is something compelling about the one who says, this may cost me my life. And it's an interesting scene. I won't show this, but you know, after the, at the end, after he carries them up there, and then they eventually the ring is tossed into the fire and they come back down and they, are, they find themselves, the two of them, Sam and Frodo, on a big flat rock. And around them everywhere is molten lava. And they start having a discussion because it's clear to them they're not getting out of this. And they have made the ultimate sacrifice. Well... Most of you probably know how the story ends. and They haven't made the ultimate sacrifice. They've actually been vindicated. And the eagles come and pick them up and take them away. And it's wonderful. And Sam's point with all of that, what he's doing is, is he's saying, I can't live your life for you. I can't take on your responsibility. I can't do all the things that you need to get done. But there are some things I can do. I will do what I can do to help you And in this case, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And there is sacrificial service going on there as one sacrifices himself, perhaps, for another and for a cause. Listen to this story. On April 26, 2008, the Western Oregon women's softball team played against Central Washington University in Ellensburg, Washington. Now, all of that means something to me because I'm from Oregon and I know those two schools. And when I was uh, in university and was running against other universities, I ran against them. So it was kind of cool for me to read this story. During the course of the game, okay, they're playing softball. During the course of the game, Western Oregon senior Sarah Tucholsky hit the first home run of her college career. She dropped her bat and started to make her way around the bases. She's doing the home run trot. In the midst of all the excitement, she forgot to tag first base. When the first base coach brought the mistake to her attention, she quickly turned around. To everyone's horror, horror, her knee buckled. Crying, she tried her best to crawl back to the base Tchalski's teammates were warned by the umpires that if they touched her, she would be called out. The umpires also noted that if her coaches opted to call in a pinch runner, the home run would only count as a single. You can probably imagine the shock everyone felt then when Mallory Holtman, the opposing team's first baseman and career home run leader for Central Washington, turned to the umpire and said, would it be okay if we carried her around the bases and she touched every bag? 
When the umpires gave their approval, Holtman and teammate Liz Wallace picked up Tucholsky, crossed their hands beneath her, and carried her to second base. Once there, they lowered the injured player and gently touched her foot to the bag. They did the same for third base and home plate. The crowd erupted into a standing ovation. And get this, Western Oregon, for whom Tucholsky is playing, went on to win the game, eliminating Central Washington from the playoffs. When later asked about the good deed, Holtman, playing for Central Washington, said, the decision to help out her opponent was simple. She felt Tucholsky deserved the home run because the ball cleared defense. In her own interview, Tucholsky said, it's amazing what they did. I hope I would do the same for her in the same situation. George Vesey, a writer who was there covering the game, said what happened can only be described as a moment of grace. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Like, I don't know if they only got beat by one run, but potentially they could have been beaten by only one run, and they wouldn't know. And so they pick up this girl and carry her around the bases and give her her moment of glory and her home run, and they end up losing the game. Some sacrificial service. I want you to turn to John 13. The Gospel of John, for those of you who are looking, it's the fourth book in the New Testament. Maybe when somebody gets there, if you're in a pew Bible, you can tell me what page that's on. Shout it out so everyone can hear. John chapter 13. What is it? 763. Thank you. John chapter 13. And I'm actually going to be looking at verse 34. And I want you to get this, but I want you to first, in fact, turn back to the start of the chapter and look at this first. This is the story. We don't have time to read all of this, but this is the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And the story is that they meet in an upper room and Jesus is there, the Son of God. Somebody should be washing his feet. But Jesus instead puts a towel on, wraps himself in a towel, and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. And it's an act of sacrificial service. And at the end, after he has washed the feet of the disciples, he says very specifically, I want you to do what I have done for you. He wants us to serve the way that he has served. And so Jesus, who is the Son of God, and who has every reason to have everyone washing his feet, washes the feet of others. Because Jesus himself is a servant. So then look at verse 34. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. What have we been talking about for a while now? Last few weeks on Sunday morning. We've been talking about going into our circles of influence. And as we go into the circles of influence that every one of us has... We take with us the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this text very specifically says that there is something that the world is going to understand when we go into our circles of influence. 
When you take the good news of Jesus and what it is that Christ has done in your life with you into your circles of influence, they will know that you're his disciples. Something's going to get communicated about who you are and about who Christ is. As you go into those circles of influence and love one another in the process. And this morning, I'm suggesting that the way that love needs to be communicated is in sacrificial service. There are people around you with needs. And we could stop for a moment and just ask, do you know somebody in your life who has some needs? Do you know somebody in your life who has some needs? Is there anybody that you know that has needs? And my guess is that in the vast majority of cases of people sitting in this room, you're going to know somebody who has some real needs in their life. You're going to know somebody who's ill, maybe with a long-term illness. You're going to know somebody who's lost a loved one. You're going to know somebody who is in dire financial straits. You're going to know somebody who maybe isn't being received by others the way they should be received. Somebody who has some real hurts in their life. And you could well be the person to meet those needs. You could be the person who says, I'm going to be for this person someone who is sacrificial in my service. I'm going to be for them what Jesus is for the world. And so... We're supposed to be like Jesus in loving and serving God and humanity. We will follow the Bible, but then it says, minister to Christians and reach out to the world. And as we reach out to the world, and even as we minister to Christians, there are people around you who have needs. And the question is, can you find it in your heart? Do you open your life up enough so that the people around you who have these needs can have them met through the gospel of Jesus and through your life. Like, can you exist in such a way that you can minister to others who have needs? Now, that's a challenge. When we talk about sacrificial service, one of the key words in that expression is sacrifice. You remember the story of the widow's mite? Why is it that the widow's might is so consequential? Is it because she gave huge volumes of money to the Lord and his work? No. The reason that the widow's might is so significant is because, Jesus says, she gave all she had. It was a sacrifice. And God wants from us not just any kind of service. He doesn't necessarily even want it to come so easily. He wants us to be willing to put ourselves out for others. He wants us to make sacrifices for others in sacrificial service. And sometimes that's going to cost you something. I can't tell you what it is in your life that needs to be the cost. I can't tell you the direction that you need to go with that. You're the one who knows. But I want to encourage you this morning to think seriously about sacrificial service and think about how that might come about in your life. Now, I want to interview somebody this morning. I have a special friend right here that I want to interview. Can I interview you? I can? That's wonderful. 
Would you stand up? This is Calvin. Does everybody know Calvin? If you know Calvin, say, hi, Calvin. (laughs) They all know you, Calvin. Isn't that good? There is a special friend that Calvin has in our church, and his name is John Coughlin. John's downstairs with the kids right now. He's not upstairs, and we talked about that, and we figured we could just do this with Calvin. John doesn't even need to be here. That means that you can say anything nasty about John you want to say, and he's not even here to counter it. Isn't that good? Calvin, I I just want to ask you a question. I want you to tell everybody what John Coughlin means to you. He, he helps me out quite a bit. Does he? Stuff. Yeah. What kind of stuff does he help you with? With, with certain things. Like, like, give me an example of what he might help you with. Like, with my banking and stuff like that. Takes me for haircuts, stuff like that. He does your banking for you? Yeah, yeah. And he takes you for haircuts? Yeah. What else does he do? He does stuff like that. And phone PD for me and stuff like that. Yeah? Yeah. What do you think of John doing all that for you? That's good. I think it's good, too. Yeah. Aren't you glad John does that? Yeah. Aren't you glad John loves you? Yeah. I am, too. Calvin, thanks. Okay. I think it's absolutely wonderful that John Coughlin loves Calvin. Don't you? It's cool. That's a wonderful thing. The positive impact that we can have on others in our world by unselfish acts of service is monumental. The way that we can impact people is monumental. But so monumental, but so often we get sidetracked. We get sidetracked the way that James and John were sidetracked. In the passage that David read, Jesus is wanting to talk about who he is for the world and James and John are wanting to talk about where they're going to sit in the kingdom of heaven. And their mother is concerned about where they're going to sit. Kind of a typical Jewish mother. She wants to know what's going to happen with her boys, and her boys are also wanting to know what's going to happen with them. And Jesus wants no part of it. Men, you don't get it. You don't understand. Can you possibly bear what I'm going to bear that would allow you somehow to sit at my right or my left? And by the way, if Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, who's on his left? And James and John want that place? They don't get it. And so Jesus says to them, I didn't come myself to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And he means that he wants them to do the same. And Jesus is asking from us this morning for the same. And so we've got to ask the question, what about us? What are we doing for others? And Chris, if you want to turn this on, there is in fact a Christian principle that we need to see this morning for sure. And that is this. God wants only others to be making you their chief service priority. God wants only others to be making you their chief service priority. Which means there's one person 
who shouldn't be making you your chief service priority. And that's you. God wants that to be the priority of others. And for you to have the priority of serving others. But for you to not be the focus of your own attention, the moment you make it otherwise, something of your Christianity is compromised. Taking the gospel into our communities, going with authenticity, going with compassion, and this morning we're talking about going with sacrificial service. We're going into our communities. We're going into our circles of influence, asking in this case, how is it that we might serve Christ? And here's the guarantee. The guarantee is, if you go into your circle of influence, it's not going to go unnoticed. Sue or Sarah Tachalski, as they're carrying her around the bases, afterwards says, it's amazing what they did. And I hope I would do the same for her in the same situation. What she's saying is, is that I want to be just like what these people were when they made a sacrifice for me. And that's what happens. You make sacrifices on behalf of others and their lives are changed. You can't help but be different after somebody has put themselves out for you. Transformation takes place. In the example that I see at them, I'm altered. And so we see the example of Jesus and through the example of Christ, we are altered. And here's a side benefit. I don't know what your destiny will be, said Albert Schweitzer. But one thing I know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who will have sought and found how to serve. Did you hear that? Albert Schweitzer, the only ones among you who will be truly happy are those who have sought and who have found how to serve. And so while you are out there putting yourself out for others, there's something coming back here, folks. Something is going to be a blessing. And the blessing is the opportunity for us to to receive, achieve, reach, Finally, happiness only through service. And Jesus would say, you can try it a lot of other ways, but in the end, there's only one way, and that is the way of service. Those who would like to be great among you should what? Serve others. Become last, Jesus says. And that's a call for every one of us. And so the question is, what can you do? What can you do to be the servant of others? I can't tell you. But you know. You know the people that you're thinking of right now who need you. You know the places right now in your life where there are those opportunities that you sometimes don't seize that you need to seize. Will you seize them? I'm 100% convinced that Jesus wants you to. If we go into our circles of influence, serving others, 
the world can be changed. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunities that we have to make sacrifices for you. Thank you, Father, for the opportunities that you present to us to serve. God, help us to seize those chances. Help us to make the very most of them. Father, I pray that the good of others and the blessing that we can be to others will be our first priority and that we will indeed put ourselves way down the list if if on the list at all. Father, we know we need your spirit to move us in this way. Empower us, embolden us, make us your servants. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.